got a bunch of kids. The kids can't remember to pray for the children uh, this week. And uh, we're, we're believing God that, you know, that they're getting lives changed and filled with the Holy Spirit and coming home on fire for Jesus. Amen. And, and that, the, that, the, that the workers survive. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. Now, they're having a great time. We've talked to them already, and it's just going awesome. And uh, we appreciate you sending your kids. And, uh, we're believing that God's got such a great plan that... Uh, if we really could see everything that God's doing, man, yeah, we, we'd just be so excited. If you could see what God has for your life, you, you know, you'd just be so pumped, you know, just so pumped. That, wow, God, God's got that in store for me. You know, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man, the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. You know, God's got some stuff prepared for you, right, made ready in advance for you. And he's leading you and he's guiding you and he's taking you to the place where the stuff that he's prepared is at. Right? He's, I said he's got some stuff for you. Good things. Good things. Great things. Awesome. The best life you could possibly have is the one that you have when you connect with the plan of God and the purpose of God for your life. It's just, a, it's just an awesome, great life. And, and, you know, I, I think a lot of us uh, need, need, to, need, need to recognize the fact that, you know, at uh, some point we, we, need to, we need to not only know God's Word, but we, we just need to start speaking God's Word and, and use that to fuel that inner man so that we'd rise up and, and really kind of demonstrate the God life that we've been called to live. Uh, you know, most of us by now, I think, can quote John 10.10. 10. I hope you can. The thief came not but for to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, I have come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Zoe life, God life. That you'd have a life, you know, more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more health than sickness, more provision than lack. And you'd live that way, and you wouldn't, and you'd have, there'd be like this holy boldness on you. So that, uh, you, you know, so that every day when trials and, and circumstances, you know, kind of shift, but, but, but you just step out there and you, you make that declaration that I have more life than death. I got more joy than sorrow. You know, I, you know everybody has a bad day. You know, uh, thank God for Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. You, you know, everybody's had a bad day. But I think sometimes we start connecting those. You know, so we end up with a couple of them. And, and, then, and, then, and then we decide, well, it's just been a bad week. And then, then it's not long until you've had a bad month, and, and now you've now you got to, you, you know, you, you're developing a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, when, when, we're, when we're spokesmen for the kingdom of light, we, we look like a spokesman for depression. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to make light of your depression, but I do, you know, uh, I do think you have to understand that depression, you know, really what it is, is, is uh, a focus on self. That, that it's just very, it's very inward. OK. It's, and, uh, and, and that's the root of depression, you know, is, is that it gets you to, to just looking at you. And, and you've got to realize that, uh, that the life God has for you is not really just about you. And if you get outside of yourself, you can probably break that chain off. And uh, you, you can have more joy than chaos, more joy than sorrow. You, you could you could begin to operate in that and, and begin to flow in that, and uh, you know, and, and get get rid of that depression and, and be just by agreeing with God. 
Just by knowing, just by knowing what God says about you. And instead of, you know, uh, looking at the circumstances and, and using your, your words to define it, you, you would realize that, no, I'm going to use my words to change it. I'm going to begin to speak life to this thing. That the power of death and life are in my tongue, and I will not die but live and declare the goodness of my king. Well, how, how am I going to live? By using my mouth to declare the goodness of God. Right? I'm not speaking death. I'm speaking life. I'm, I'm going to speak life. Look at your neighbor and say, man, I think he's talking to you right now. I think this is for you. Tell him. You know, we we, we got to be people who speak the word of God. Right? You know, we, we started talking the other day, and, and we, you know, we, we got into this thing a little bit. But uh, I want you to look at Romans 12. And uh, these are really familiar scriptures. But he said, you know, I beseech you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Don't you just love King James? Sometimes it's so cool. I beseech thee. You know, you, you can try that at home. You know, when, when, when you're really wanting something. I beseech you, sister. Yeah. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Man, we, we need to understand the language here. To, to beseech is, is, is to put a draw, you know, uh, on somebody, to pull at everything you can get a hold of, to grab the heartstrings, man, and, and to yank on it. And he said, listen, man, I'm begging you in, in, in view of the mercies of God. And look at how good God is. And, and look at all he's done for you. And look at the, the goodness that he's poured out on your life. And, and the fact that he sent Jesus to rescue you. You were hopeless, but he's given you hope. In view of all the mercies of God, I'm begging you that you would present your body a living sacrifice. That you, you would be a living sacrifice. That you would get out of yourself. Man, the, the, you know, Jesus put it this way. He said, if you're really going to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. What's it mean to take up your cross? To deny yourself. To not let this be about you. But to realize that God's going to use you. He's going he's to flow through you. He's going to bless you. The enemy kind of gets people under the impression that if they do life God's way, they're going to miss out. No, you ain't going to miss out on anything. He'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these things are going to be added to you. God, God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to put you down. He's trying to lift you up. He's, he's trying to position you to win and succeed. Come on. We've got to trust God. Quit listening to the lie of the devil that, that, that you know, that, that if, if, I, if I think about others first, that I'm gonna, they're going to take advantage of me. I'm telling you, if somebody takes advantage of you, God will make up the difference. Hello? Come on, all you prisoners of hope. You know what the Bible says? Return to your strength, O prisoner of hope. For every trouble, God says, I will bless you double. Then what are we worried about? And we got Paul saying, come on, man, I'm begging you. I'm begging you that you'd live life like a sacrifice to God. That everything that you do would be worship. You know, the Message Bible puts it really cool. It says, uh, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life. You're eating, sleeping, going to work life. And live it like that's your offering. Live it like this is your worship. You know, when, when you're on the job, it, you're, you know, this is how you're going to worship God today. You're on the job. Everything you do, you do is under the Lord. 
I'm just going to worship God. I'm going to worship God in the way I live. And Paul said, you know, come on. Live your life a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Holy. It's quiet in here. You know, that you would be holy like God. He's a holy God. And he said, you know, I'm holy. Be ye holy. Why? So we can hang out together. Because there's some stuff that just ain't going to be in the presence of God. And those ought to be the things, you know, that, that, that you cut out of your life. And don't go all shallow on me and, and act like, you know, because you know, I've, I've been in church really my entire life. You know, I spent a couple of years where I wasn't serving God. But even then, I was in church. You know, uh, when I was just a little kid, uh, you know, five, six years old, uh, you, you know, some, I got a hold of a guitar. My, my dad and my brother were going to take guitar lessons, and I wanted to, but my dad was, this is something he's doing with my older brother. He's nine years older. But to, to, to quiet me up, they gave me a guitar. They didn't let me go to lessons. They gave me a guitar. And my dad had a walk-in closet, and he made room in there, and he sent me in the closet so that he could spend time with my brother out there. When I came out of the closet, I could play, and they sold theirs. And, uh, uh, you know, and just as a little kid, you know, I, I, you know, it's just, you know, it's a gift. Don't be too impressed with gifts. I mean, celebrate the gift, but a gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. So, uh, you, you know, fruit that you can, you know, get a little bit more excited about that. That's character. You know, but the gift, I knew it was a gift. You know, I was just a kid. I was playing the guitar. I could shred it, you know, when I was eight, you know, and, and I played uh, Chet Atkins stuff. And because, and, uh, you know, I had a record player and he put on Chet Atkins in there. So I could go and I could duplicate what Chet Atkins was doing. I was eight years old. And uh, uh, so I made a decision way back in the day that, you know, because God had given me that gift, I'd always use it for God. So even when, when I wasn't living for God, I played with gospel music groups. You know, so when I'm not living... For God, I'm in church every day. You know, I've been around. My point is, I've been in church a long time. And we have a tendency to take holiness and make it really shallow. And, you know, uh, you know we're going to put our, you know, have the women put their hair in a bun and not wear any makeup. And the guys are going to take off all of their jewelry and they're not going to smoke and they're never going to drink a beer. And, and, uh, and that is so shallow. That what, what you want is for God to be able to go on to the inside of you. And make you radically different from the inside out. That you would be just absolutely other than who you were before God came into your life. And that you'd become on, 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 on a daily basis more and more like him. Less like you. That you'd get rid of you and make room for him. You know, and Paul, again, he's begging. Man, I'm begging you. Live a life that's worshipped God, that's other than the world, that's other than. One of the greatest definitions of holy is other than. That you'd be other than yourself. You know, because self, it, that, that's the thing you're trying to, to, to get to die, right? And he said, you know, that, that you would be holy, acceptable unto God. You know, not, not what's a living sacrifice by your definition or not what's holy to you or not what is acceptable in your opinion. No, to God. You know, I really believe that for some of us it's different than it is for others. And a lot of times we get to comparing ourselves with each other. Well, how come he gets to do it? Just let God talk to you. You know, start there and just, okay, God, what do you want with my life? 
How are you going to use my life today? And, and uh, you know, and just, just focus on that for a little bit. Let's, why don't we get good at that before we start trying to figure out what others should be doing? And just, you know, okay, here I am, and I'm yours, God, and, and I'm going to be a living sacrifice, holy, other than I've ever been before, and acceptable to you. If it's not acceptable to you, I'm not going to sign for the package. You know, when, when the package comes to the door, you don't have to accept it. You can reject it. And a lot of times the enemy sends stuff into your life, and you, you don't have to accept that. You can just say, no, no thanks, passing today. And he, he makes this statement, which is your reasonable service. And I don't think we get that. Your reasonable service. He said, this is the least you can do. This is just the starting point for, for the true believer. This is the launching spot for somebody who's going to be a disciple of Christ. You're going to be a follower of Christ. You know, you're probably going to have to get your big boy pants on. You're probably going to have to say, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to have to quit living for myself. I'm going to have to, you know, cut some things out of my life. I need to allow God to remove anything he wants so he can do everything he wants. Um, You know, uh, I'm going to have to find what's acceptable to God. And that means I'm going to have to have a relationship with him. So I know what's acceptable to him. Right. So so I know so I know what he's expecting from me. You know, uh, there's a lot of things just kind of a little side note might help. Uh, there, but there's a lot of things, you know, you know, uh, that God can't do. You ever thought about it? The stuff that God can't do. He cannot do. Well, God can do anything. I don't really believe that. See, I don't believe God can lie. I don't believe I, I think God cannot lie. I, I don't believe God can change. He cannot lie. He cannot change. I don't believe God can be second. God can't be second. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I mean, the least I can do is make God first. Make God first. Well, how do I do it? He goes on in verse 2. He says, don't let this world pressure you into its mold don't be conformed to this world don't 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 accept secular systems of logic and, and uh you know and and then act like you're living for god don't don't let the world pressure you man the world is going to pressure you to not be godly you know, you think about what's going on in, in our society and in our culture, and, and there's, there's so much uh, uproar, and I, and I understand it, but I just think we ought to clarify it. There's so much uproar, you know, different laws are getting passed that we're going to fight against them. We don't think they should be passed. But even if they pass the law, it doesn't change God's opinion. You know, you can make something legal, man, it don't make it right. And there's a lot of stuff that's already legal, according to secular society, that ain't all right with God. So, you know, I mean, really the issue is that you not allow the world to pressure you and shape you the way you think and the way you feel and the way you make your choices. See, a lot of us, you know, uh, we, we, we respond to that pressure and we allow it to, to, to kind of move us around a little bit and, and to, to shift our stance depending on where we are. Because, you know, some people are radically different in here than they are in the parking lot. 
You know, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're, it's hard to tell who they are if you run into them, you know, at Costco. Or worse yet, you know, at home doing yard work. Right? I mean, come on. We, we, we've trained ourselves to, to, to be shaped by our environment. And God's, in his word, trying to tell us, don't live that way. Right? You're the thermostat, not the thermometer. You're not just responding to where you're at. No, you're setting the standard. And that's what he's talking about. Don't, don't let this world pressure you, but you be transformed. You be radically changed from the inside out. You be radically changed by renewing your mind. But, you know, aligning who you are with what God says. That you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, uh, I want to change the way you think. God, God wants to change the way we think. He wants us, it's an introduction, uh, you know, to uh, invitation to, to God thoughts. To thinking like God, to seeing, seeing what God sees. You know, so that when you would look at your spouse or, you know, you would see what God sees. When, when you're looking at your, at your situation, that you would see what God sees. See, because the way you think determines the way you see, and the way you see determines the way you live. And a lot of us live wrong because we see it wrong, and we see it wrong because we think wrong. And we think wrong because we have yet to renew our mind to God's way of thought. And Paul's writing to us, and he's telling us, man, you've got you to be you know, transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are not free to think anything you want. Thank you for that crazy response. That was that just made me feel so good. <laughs> you know, I understand. We, we kind of dig in a little bit here because, man, you know, well, here's the deal is, is you know, we, we don't want to just, you know, like have some religious ceremony or something, right? We want to grow, right? We, we want to grow and we, we want to develop ourselves and we, we want to we, we feed this inner man. You know, the, the, the heart of man devises his plan. And your inner man sets up the plan. But God directs the steps. Well, if you don't grow your inner man, you've got a little inner man, God can't give you big steps. He's got, he's got, to, give you, he's got to give you little steps. Right? And, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a season when all of that was, was acceptable. Uh, you know, but, but then as you mature and as you grow, things that used to be cute aren't cute anymore. You know, remember when you when you're bringing the babies home, and, and you know, come on, parents, you remember, and, and and you'd bring the babies home, and man, aren't they cute? They're kind of like puppies. They're cute when they're little, and uh, uh, and you give the you know you give the baby a bottle, and and that's just normal. Uh, but you know, like my my dad used to always say that if you have to part the whiskers to put the bottle in, something's wrong. You know, there comes a season when when that child kind of begins to. Uh, feed itself and become expected to remember when they first started walking when a baby it's kind of cool to watch a to watch a you know a, 
a baby begin, you know, shifting to becoming a toddler, and he's starting to he's starting to walk, and you know, at first he's just you know scooting across the ground at you know, however, and, and they get pretty good at that. Man, it's crazy how fast a baby can crawl, isn't it? There they go. But pretty soon they they start getting up. They start getting up and using those legs because you know they're looking around. You're walking, and they, they're going to be like you. And and so uh, you know, but they, they get smart because they crawl up next to something, and they use that to steady themselves. You, you ever you, you, right? And, and they and they finally get up. It's kind of cool in it when, when they when they stand up and they're holding on to the chair or something, and then they give you the thumbs up. You know. Poof. Five hundred times, they say five hundred times a child will, you know, fail before actually taking its first step. But that tenacity and, you know, that that, that passion and 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 they start learning to walk and they're taking those steps. And remember, I, I can remember when you know you'd you'd reach out and and uh, Evan would take my finger. Okay, here we go. And he'd start walking and I got him by the, you know, he's just hanging on my finger, just. Well, he's, he's going to be 23 this year. And, and wouldn't you think that was odd? If every time you saw him, it was, he was attached to my finger. I mean, that used to be cute. Not no more. See, a lot of us, where we are in, in, our, in our spiritual journey, we want to hang on to stuff. That used to steady us. But we have a father who wants us to let go. And walk on our own. Right? He, he, he wants us to change the way that we see it. See, the way you see it is that you need that. But God's saying, no, you don't need that. But to get to where you're going, get to the place I've called you to, you've got to let go of that. The, it... it it, at one point, it wasn't even sin. You know, it's, you know what makes it sin isn't the fact that it's you know in a list of rules and regulations. What what makes it sin is that it's not God's will. Uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Every weight and the sin. Not every weight is sin. It's just weight that you don't need now. Stuff that you shouldn't have in your life. Belief systems. Securities. No, your trust is in the Lord now. Right? Look, look at 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. We could, we could read it this way. When I was immature, I used immature words. But when I became a man, when I became mature... I put those things away. Literally, you need to see it this way. that When I was immature, I used my words. But when I grew up, I put my word away and I started using his word. See, and a lot of us, we just, need to, we just need to deal with the reality that if you're not speaking God's word, you're just using baby talk. You need to grow. I said you need to grow. You know, to do what God's really called you to do, to not settle, to, to not just, you know, be pressured by the world and end up being who, who they want you to be. You're going you're gonna to have to put that away and you're going to have to begin to speak God's word. And that's the starting point. You're not going to renew your mind until you start speaking God's word. 
I'm telling you that that uh, you are not going to find success until you do train yourself to say what God says. And there are, there are days there are days that you'll be laying in bed and you don't feel like getting out of bed, but you're going to have to tell yourself His word is life, health, and healing to all my flesh. And you got to pull yourself out of that bed. There's going to be days that you, you're going to speak life into situations that, that just look dead. Relationships, you know, that, that you're, you're, going to, you're going to speak life to those things because what God has joined together. Come on, don't get super quiet. Agree with me. Or else I'll just preach forever. <laughs> you got to start with the word. But then he said, but, but look at this next thing. He said, when I was a child, I understood as a child. I, my, my, my understanding was really immature. But when I became a man, I, I put that understanding away. And I took on a godly understanding. And, you know, because of time this morning, I, I wish, I, you know, sometimes, man, it just seems like this time is just flying. Uh, but I, I just, I just want to jump straight to a, to a vital point that I want you to get. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of times we're under the impression that we should understand everything. You know, we're intellectual beings and we should understand. Well, remember Romans 8, 6 in the, in the Amplified says that, uh, can you put that one up? It says, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. See, it makes sense to you. It's very reasonable to you. It's just not inspired by the Holy Spirit. That that thought leads to death. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. See, I, I think an immature understanding leans on, it's hanging on to sense and reason. But a mind of the Spirit has learned to let go of that. It doesn't, you know what, my finger's still here. The fact that Evan doesn't have to hang on to it doesn't make my finger less valuable. Hello? Some of the things that God's asking you to let go of, he's not telling you that that doesn't exist. He's just telling you, no, no, no I need you to get over here and start. You need to change your understanding. Um, put it this way. Uh, understanding. Standing under. Really, it's about where you stand. See, when, when I was immature, I was all over the place. Right? You know, uh, it, it, it did depend on what day of the week it is and what was happening as far as what I believed. But at some point, there's a line that's drawn and you have to cross it and you, you say, okay, as for me and my house, this is where we stand. We're standing under the banner of God and His Word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my stance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand. You know, in, in the book of Exodus, and we don't have time, but I would encourage you to go read it. Re- remember the story where, where, where Moses, uh, you know, the, the enemies have gathered together. And, and uh, uh, Moses says, okay, uh, you, you know, Joshua, you take the, the guys, you go down, you're, you and go out and fight this battle. I'm going to go up on the hill and I'm going to pray. And, you know, I'm, you know, think what's, you know, Joshua's thinking, well, that sounds like a great deal for you. 
you know, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going down and you're going up. Dad, wait a minute. But, uh, you know, uh, totally different message. They got, they, they got it worked out, and, and they're out there, and, and Moses has got a couple of guys with him, right? And, and uh, remember, and, and, and it's a long day. They noticed that when, uh, you know, when he was holding the staff up, they were winning, and when he would lower it, they would lose. So they're like, keep it up. You know, hold, hold that thing up. You know, and but they didn't just say, you know, don't be lazy. They, those two guys came in the, and they stood next to him and they held his hands up. Matter of fact, it's really cool. It says that uh, uh, it says that, that when he became uh, tired, that they found a stone and they put it under him. They did not move him to the stone. They moved a stone to where he was at. Now, dude, there's some there's some commitment. Uh, and uh, but God revealed Himself to Moses that day, and, and He revealed Himself as Jehovah Nissi, my banner. You guys, uh, uh, you, you, did you watch the, the, the opening ceremony of the Olympics? Did, did, you, did you view that? You know, Shelby and I, we, we recorded a lot of that because we, we, we like to sit, you know, at night and watch that. And, and uh, we, we, were, we were watching the, 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 uh, the Parade of Nations because yeah, everybody comes in under their flag, under their banner, under the, their colors. They're showing their colors. And, and uh, you know, it's really, it's vital, you know, because it's, it's what you're fighting for. And, you know, in, in wartime, and, and, well, just think about some of the moving movies that you've seen, you know, uh, you know where there's always a banner, there's a flag, and, 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 uh, and you know, and they look and, and they see if the, banner is, if the banner's still flying, then we just keep fighting. Right? Right? As long as, long as, the, as, long as the banner's up. Man, we're, we're, we're in the battle. We don't give up. And, and some of us, you know, we need to learn to kind of look over our shoulder every now and then and check it out because the banner's still flying. You don't cave in and give up and quit when the banner's flying. You fight harder because the banner's up, you know. And uh, he is our banner. Right? He is our victory, our refuge. He's it. And, you know, uh, when, when I was a child, I stood all over the place. But when I became mature, I stood under his banner. My understanding, what I'm standing under, became evident. See, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. Okay, believe with the heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Well, how does that work? How does salvation work? We don't understand that. But we stand under that promise. And we will not be moved. You know, Scott's talking about tithing. Well, how does that work? I don't know. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable to assume that if I give God 10%, 90% will get more done than 100% would. But yet, because, you know, uh, quite a few years ago when Shelby and I got married, we, we made the, a decision that we would never not tithe. So we just started tithing. How's it work? I don't know, but we're taking a stand under that promise. Can I just tell you, I don't regret ever giving God what was his. Ever. You know, and, you know, and there were different things that God would speak to us about that we'd say, okay, we're going to stand on that. And we, and, and we, we took a stand. And, and the pressure, man, the pressure 
to, 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 to shift, you know, to, to, to conform to a different system of thought. Yeah, and, and, you, and not by evil people, by great people, but that hadn't heard God speak to us. Yeah, I remember one time, uh, we, we, we had, you know, Evan was uh, just born. And I remember one time that God spoke to me and, 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 he, and he told me, sell everything. Everything you own, sell it. And, it, you know, can you imagine that conversation? Uh, you know, because uh, we had just, and we had just purchased some things that, that, that somebody in the house had really wanted for a long time. I was praying today and God spoke to me. Great. <laughs> yep, he spoke to me. Yeah, you know, trying to lay it out there so she'd ask, what did he say? <laughs> Finally got her to ask, what did he say? I said, he said we're going to sell everything. Go pray again. <laughs> sell everything. Uh, great people. Love them. You know, but can you imagine Shelby's parents? The, the crazy son-in-law has just announced that they're selling everything. Why? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Son, this is not reasonable. I understand. Now, please hear me. I am not suggesting to you that I am like the epitome of the perfect follower of Christ. I just have a couple of times that I can share with you where I actually did it right. You know, and so I'm going to preach those moments. <laughs> we might get into a sermon series sometime, the 77 things I did wrong. But that would be like for about one week. Uh, but here, here's the deal. You know, it didn't make sense. It wasn't reasonable. But I had heard God, you know, you know and, and I had to take a stand. I, I had to stand under that promise. And, and, you know, just so that because I, what I normally do is run out of time and don't finish the story. And people are like, what happened? Well, you know what? It became God used it as our defense because uh, we, we, were, we were in a situation in, in ministry where uh, God was turning some stuff over, making some changes. And, and uh, you know, the, the, there was a senior pastor who had been in, a, in an affair with another woman. And, and uh, you know, and, and he... You know, trying to cover himself, he he made he suggested uh, that it was all a fantasy that he really wasn't in an affair, and and that uh, different people and we'd never said anything, hadn't done anything, but w- but when the elders came and talked to us, I had been speaking with the pastor because he's a great friend of mine, and I'd been talking to him about his situation for almost a year. I, I had been trying, and his challenge to me was prove it. So I tried for a year to catch him. And, and couldn't, but we never spoke to anybody, never did anything. But we were leaving because at the end, because of a promise of time, I'd stayed a certain amount of time. And, uh, and at the end, we were leaving. But when the board came out, because he told them that it was all a lie, they, they had come and asked us, if it's, is, is this why you're leaving? And, yeah, I, I answered honestly, yes. And, uh, you know, after a couple of days, they came out to our house because he told them it's, it's all a lie. It's not true. Tom just wants to take over this church. And so they came out, and, and like with baseball bats and stuff. You know, they were really upset with us, and, and they came to our house, and we were just getting ready to leave. And, and, and they said, you know, why would you do this? Why would you say these things? Why would you? And I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Well, you want to take over this church. I said, no, 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 no. And I said, uh, I don't want to take over the church. We have no intention of staying here and taking over the church. You're trying to take And so we invited them into the house. There was nothing in it. 
that why would we have sold everything? And you know what was weird is we lived, we lived out in the country, on a, not a busy highway, just on a country road. We advertised none. I put one sign. It's the deal I made with Shelby. I put one sign in the yard on the day of the sale. And everything we owned sold. And the thing that she had really wanted that we had just saved up the money and bought, we'd paid $1,000 for it. A gal came and bought it from us for 1000 bucks. But we, we, we didn't have a fire sale. We kind of made it hard. I put retail prices on all my stuff. And people gave it to us. You know, and, 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 and you want to know what's really crazy? Is, is, is a year and a half later when we settled, the gal that bought the couch came to me and said, would, would, you know, because uh, it, it was the sectional that Shelby had really wanted. And she said, would you, you know, do you want that back? And because, uh, uh, you know, we moved to Salem. And I ran into the woman that bought our couch. And she goes, you want, to buy, you, know, you want it back? And I'm like, I don't have a 1000 bucks. She said, no, it, I have one thing. And she said, I moved to Salem. When we got here, it wouldn't fit in our house. So it's in a storage unit. And if you'd take it, I could get rid of the storage unit. So it's costing me $35 a month to rent this space to store your couch. <laughs> so Shelby got the couch basically for free because we paid a thousand we got a thousand and we got the couch i mean you know get, why because we stood under his banner now i got to tell you something that there have been moments in my life it's only fair to admit this where i didn't stand there where i let pressure move me and i can't share the success story it made sense to not stand there. It was reasonable to not stand there. So we didn't. And that was a failure in our life. See, if you want to grow, number one, you've you, you got to start speaking God's word. You've got to know God's word. You've got to speak it. And number two, you've got to stand under it. Your understanding. What are you standing under? Wherever you planted your feet, wherever you said, okay, we will not move from this promise. Not going to move. And, and, and if you're not taking that stand, you have, you have to evaluate yourself. You have to say, man, I haven't reached maturity in this area yet. That's not a bad thing unless you decide to stay there. It's not a bad thing to hold daddy's finger when you're learning to walk. It becomes a problem when you're on your way to high school and you won't let go. It, you, you, have to, you just have to understand. You have to stand under his promise. And you have to refuse. It, it doesn't make any difference what it looks like, feels like, smells like, tastes like. You know, no, I'm taking a stand. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to train myself. I'm going to train myself. So that God can use me in bigger, bigger ways and in, in greater arenas. And, and, and I'm going to grow myself. I'm not going to be satisfied with a shallow, immature relationship. I'm going to grow. Amen? Close your book. Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you today.